Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. I'm really excited because today's episode is all about music. My guest is Armin Hamber. He is an American composer for film and TV, born and raised in Los Angeles. He's been writing music for film and television for the last 20 years. Now, in 2004, he started his own production music catalog called Future World Music, which has gained industry and retail success, as well as extensive popularity on social media with fans all over the world. His music has been featured in some of the top film campaigns, including How to Train Your Dragon, A Night at the Museum 2 and 3, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, Epic, Frozen and Into the Woods, among many others. His client list includes DreamWorks, Paramount, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Pictures, Buena Vista Home Entertainment, MGM, Columbia TriStar, Universal Pictures, 20th Century Fox, and the Ultimate Fighting Championship. In 2011, because of popular demand by fans, Future World Music released the first public album called Reign of Vengeance, I love that name, which gained unexpected retail success since production music was not in the mainstream. That'll be something we'll talk about today. Future World Music has since released five public albums, A Hero Will Rise in 2012, Behold in 2013, Zero Hour in 2014, Pulse of Life in 2015, and the most recent industry public release, Mother Earth, in 2017, all exceeding retail expectations worldwide and breaking into the top 40 on Amazon's bestsellers rank in soundtrack digital music. He's crushing it. Futureworldmusic.com is how to find him. You can also go on Facebook. He's got a tons of fans on there. Facebook.com slash futureworldmusic1. And you can go to his YouTube as well by searching on Future World Music. Welcome, Armin. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm honored to be on your show. I'm so excited to have you, and I know we've we've been talking about this for a while. Um, I know even back when you were still working on your record. That's right. Yeah, I know. I just there were just the schedule conflicts. You know, it's like you know how it is. You you start a project and you try to get some kind of a window of time to uh, set aside for anything else, and it just never happens. You know? I know, I know. Well, um, I'm glad that we made this happen today, and I'm really excited about your new release, oh, Mother Earth. You. God, the artwork's gorgeous. I'm sure everyone's seeing it right now on the you know social media and such. But before we dive into Mother Earth and what you're doing currently, I want to take a step back, and sure. I'd love for you to share your story. You told me this a long time ago, and I remember being really, really inspired by it. And so not everybody just instantaneously becomes a successful composer. Tell us your path. How did you get to where you are? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's, I was a late bloomer. You know, I, I quit my day job in 2003 and I was, I think, maybe 37, 38, something like that. So, mm. But uh, yeah, I was working day jobs for years and still doing the music on the side. And I was working at a photo lab in Burbank called Isgo Photo. And uh, I was there for about almost 10 years. And at the same time, I was also writing for smaller libraries, you know, like for TV and radio. And that's kind of how I got my start. You know, I was working kind of my way up. And 
And as time went on, I, you know, I kept thinking, you know, the only way I'm going to actually succeed is if I quit my day job and put my full attention 100% into music. But, you know, when you're working, you, you're so afraid to make that leap because it's such a huge leap of faith. And mm. so I just kept postponing it, postponing it. And, um, and anyway, long story short, um, in 2003, I finally decided, I said, you know what, I have to do it. Even though I had people, you know, on both sides saying, some people were saying, yeah, go for it, you know, do it. What do you have to lose? You know, you only live once. And then I had other people saying, no, don't do it. It's, it's too risky. You know, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get your income anymore. You're going to lose your health insurance and all that. Oh stuff. yeah. So, That's you know, I was kind of like torn, <laughs> like, okay, what do I do? Like, yeah. do I leave? Do I stay? So I finally, you know, I just said, you know what, I, I have to do it. I have to just take a leap and do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least that I can look back and say, I actually tried and I did it. So mm -hmm. did you give yourself a time frame for that? Because I know a lot of people who go out on their own in that way are like, I'm going to give myself five years and then see where I'm at. Um, no, I think I was just kind of, I was kind of saying like, okay, let me keep the job. And actually at one point I actually talked to the owners and they're very accommodating. They're very nice. I told them I can only work part-time now. And would you allow me to take a couple of days off a week so I can concentrate more on my music? And they allowed it. They let me. That's cool. And so, so that's, that's kind of how it started. And then I realized, well, you know, what am I doing? I, I just need to just, I can't have one foot, you know, in and one foot out. I need to just completely go full force and just quit and do it. And so I, I did, I finally quit and it was kind of a spontaneous thing because I was at work one day and I was doing, you know, what I do, I was doing computer graphics and, I was just having, I guess, kind of a bad day. And I was just realizing, you know, what am I doing? Why am I <laughs> staying here? I'm making income. I'm, you know, getting, generating income for my music. So why am I so hesitant on leaving? And it was just, you know, I felt it was just that fear, that fear of yeah. failure. So I just figured, just let me just leave. And I just, I just walked out basically. And then I called the owners later that afternoon. I just told them, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I had this epiphany. I just, I couldn't stay one more day, one more minute at that job. And, and that's how it started. So I love that. It was just like the light bulb went on. You were like, I must do this. Well, that's, that's soul passion. That means it was like in you. Yeah, it was just, it was kind of like, it was so long overdue because I could have done it maybe a year or two or maybe three earlier, you know, and I just, it was kind of like I was, it, I had to do it. Like it was mm -hmm. just, there's no way. I felt if I stayed, I would have never left, you know, yeah. so I just, I just had to just, you know, put my foot down and say, you know what, I'm doing this and it's done. It. You know, and, and it's and, obviously you know, you get, worked out. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was the right decision. And uh, it just, you know, my only regret was I could have done it sooner, but you know, could have, would have, should have, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Now, do you come from a long line of musicians? Do you come from a musical family or what? Not well. My mother played the piano. I mean, not professionally, but she, you know, she played piano. So, and then my father was really into. He's not a musician. He's very much into classical. And I grew up listening to, you know, everything. So, from the Beatles all the way to, you know, Beethoven. So that that was just my upbringing, and it just kind of uh, happened actually, kind of by accident. I mean, my first instrument. I think I've told you this was the accordion. Oh yeah, uh, which was such a you know, strange instrument to start with. Usually people start with a piano or something a lot cooler, you know, than an accordion. So. No, but that was kind of hot back in the 70s. <laughs> right. It really was. 
You know? Yeah, well, with the Lawrence Welk show, I guess. You know, with all <laughs> yeah. <that>. <laughs> my family, we all played accordion, and, we, and there were actually accordion competitions in my area. It was that oh, hot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, I did, some, I did some of those, too. I did some recitals and competitions, and yeah. I did one of trophies and stuff. Then, nice. And then as I got older, I realized, you know what, this is not, uh, you know, because I started when I was like seven. That's not going to get I, the girls. Yeah, like it was just not cool. So then I, <laughs> that's when I immediately I got into the guitar because, you know, I started listening to, you know, all the classic rock back in those days. And yeah. I was heavily influenced by, you know, bands like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles, the mm-hmm. Stones, Van Halen. And so, yeah, so I switched to the guitar and then that's when things just kind of felt right you know it just felt yeah. okay this is me you know so so give us a little overview of how all of these different musical influences now play into the work that you produce um is it when you're writing a track um do you think all of these things come into play or do you just kind of decide that you're going to be in one frame of mind like you're thinking classical or what uh, yeah it's, I, th- I think it's a combination because i'm also heavily influenced by a lot of the uh, film composers out mm-hmm. there you know like on zimmer and sure. you know uh, there's so many big influences like that so um, although he's got I, like 50 ghostwriters who probably do most of the work <laughs> yeah exactly yeah now he does definitely for sure yeah. but yeah i mean but and most of these composers do because they get so much work i don't think they can actually handle all that load. Right. so um, but no, I think subconsciously, probably all those uh, influences are are there when I'm writing, you know, like I, I'll, you know, write something, not specifically anything in mind, but I think all those influences are there, like, you know, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, or, you know, whether it's Mozart, Beethoven, yeah. Hans Zimmer, you know, just everything. It's just like a big mishmash of <laughs> everything. Yeah. So. But that's why I love what you do, because your tracks, you know, all of you out there listening need to pick up one of his albums, all of his albums. You're going to be blown away. There are those elements. I hear some rock and roll in there. You know, I definitely hear the film music. Um, There's tension. There's excitement. Um, It brings so many different elements. So speaking of that, do you write with an idea in mind like, oh, this is going to be for an action scene or this is going to be a theme for the opening of a, a film do you do you write with that in mind um sometimes yeah i, I think you kind of have to visualize you know something before at least i do um uh, before i start writing you know and then sometimes it just some idea just comes pops in your head when you're you know i'm playing with the piano i'm playing around and i get an idea and then you know i'll build on that but a lot of times yeah it's basically i kind of envision okay this is what i'm envisioning how's that translate into music and then I'll start writing and then um, just building on that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of both. Both elements are there, you know, mm-hmm. when I start writing. That's so. cool. And do you use a combination of like organic and digital patches? How do you make your decisions in that regard? Because I know a lot of composers are picky about sounds. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, I mean, especially now with the um, technology, the sounds that are available to uh, composers like myself is just amazing. I mean, you've heard, you know, some of the samples that I've played, you know, it's they're actual, you know, instruments being sampled. So it's basically, it's a real instrument, but it's It's a real string section. Yeah, real string sections, real violins. I mean, even the choirs are sampled. So you basically have like a full orchestra at your fingertips, which Mm -hmm. is insane. I mean, it'll never replace an actual symphony orchestra i mean that's just you know i mean it comes close i think to the average listener yeah they can probably they have a hard time differentiating but you know obviously 
I think musicians like myself, we can kind of tell because basically because of the space, mm. you know, when you record an orchestra in a hall, the reverb is just so organic. It's very difficult to uh, emulate that. Yeah. Do you enhance of, you know, it? So if you've got a plug-in, do you enhance what's there to make it sound more like it's in a hall? Absolutely. Yeah. Reverb is, I mean, the reverbs they have nowadays are really just top-notch, high-end. So you can kind of, you know, you can get it as close as possible without it being obviously, you know, real. But it's even the record, you know, the reverb is actually sampled. So they have sampled hall, you know, reverbs and and it really sounds organic. Mm -hmm. So you can get pretty close. But yeah, I mean, it's it's never going to be exactly like a live orchestra, but you can come very, very close. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, you know, the, yeah. the, what's out there, what what you can do, and all the mm-hmm. samples that are out there, the plug-ins, it's, it's just amazing. What's your, what's your latest and greatest that you're most excited about? Because I know whenever a composer I know gets like a new little piece of software or a new piece of gear, they're like, oh, and they just go crazy for it for like a month. <laughs> God, there's so many. I mean, 8DIO is a, or 8DO is a company that I use a lot of their plugins from, amazing um, Amazing sounds there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's just so many. It's 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 like it's hard to just pick one or two. It's, there's just so many at the fingertips. Yeah. That, okay. Uh, you don't want to give just, your secrets yeah. away too. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's you know, and actually, I can't even think of that. There's so many companies that are putting out sounds. I mean, East West is another one. Yeah. Um, which is actually one of the top ones. They have just amazing samples as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, composers I think nowadays are very spoiled. Oh yeah, and you also put uh, session singers out of business. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, speaking you know. of which, you you know, I think the, your audience needs to know that you're you're just you're this amazing singer, and you have sung on Thank some you. of my tracks. You know, I so, have. Yes, um, and I'm very honored to be on some well, of your tracks, Armin. Well, likewise, there. likewise. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to work together again at some point. Definitely. I think we should. Um, all right, so let's talk about your decision to do production music, like to put together a catalog of music that you could license out and and then the decision to take that to the next level and then actually create these albums that you sell. How did that decision come about? Why did you do it? And obviously it's working out well. Tell us why. Well, you know, originally I I wanted to be a film composer. Well, actually, if I go even further back, I wanted to be a guitar player in a band and like the next Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, you've been in bands like myself and yeah. you know how difficult that can be. And I, yes. I think I, I kind of reached my limit with the whole band thing. You know, you have yeah. it's like being married to like four or five other people. And yes. It just it starts out great. And then eventually, you know, people butt heads and it just doesn't yeah. seem to go in the right, yeah. right direction. So, yeah, originally I wanted to do that. And then once that kind of I kind of realize that, you know, that's not really practical because, you know, going on the road like that wasn't really what I was into. I, I was more like a, I just like to, you know, work from home or just, you know, I just, it was just too crazy of a uh, lifestyle to uh, pursue. So I got into the scoring, you know, film scoring bug bit me and I said, okay, that's what I want to do. Let me, let me see what I could do. And so I took, you know, some courses. I, there was a UCLA extension program uh, for film scoring I took and and one of the teachers there, um, I can mention his name, his name is Robert Etoll, and he's actually still doing production music now, and he's one of the top top guys as well. Hmm. And I took his class, and um, near the end of the class, he, I guess he liked my work, and he asked me, because would you be interested in you know, doing some writing for me? 
And I was like blown away. I was like, wow, yes, of course. And so that's kind of how it started. And so, yeah, so he was writing for, uh, he had his own production, you know, music catalog. And I started writing, doing some stuff for him. And I kind of accidentally got into it because I was really focused on doing the film scoring. And, but then I tried that for about a year and a half, two years, and it was so difficult to break into. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the nepotism in that industry is, is ridiculous. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, if, if you don't know a certain person or certain people, just forget about it, you know? Right. And also, a lot of people, just to jump in, a lot of people start off in, as a ghostwriter, you know, like underneath a main composer, and then it's difficult to get your own work and to get your own name and to exactly. break away. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, so that kind of started it, and I kind of got into that accidentally. And then after a while, writing for these smaller libraries, which were more geared for like radio and TV, I decided like, oh, why not? You know, I can probably do my own library. Why not? You know, let me let me give it a shot. You know, I mean, what do I have to lose? And that's when I think that was around the time where I quit my day job and in 2004 started uh, Future World Music and took a risk. And, and yeah, so far, I mean, knock on wood, it's still going steady. Yeah. Now After, back then a lot. Almost 13. Yeah, that's a long time. 13 or 14 years. Yeah. So Damn. crazy. Crazy. Yeah. But things have changed since then. Like back then, a lot of people were building their own libraries that then they could license out to various projects, which is smart. You know, you have all these different genres of music available and you take your entire catalog to someone and you say, hey, what do you want to license? You know, which is incredible. Um, But now things have shifted, haven't they? It has. I mean, I think what what has happened is at that time, I think this was like in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. There were only just a handful of production libraries. I mean, one of the earliest was, you know, Immediate Music, which, you know, those guys are pioneers. You know, Yob Gorin, he's, um, and Jeffrey Feynman, they, they started pretty much the whole production music library craze. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, they, and a lot of people don't realize that um, the reason production music started is because a lot of people presumed that the advertising music was the same music that was used in the film. Even including myself, I had no idea that there was this whole industry of production music for advertising. I just presumed, oh, they're just going to use the score. But the score isn't even done at that point. You mm-hmm. know, it's like since the score is the very last uh, step in, you know, finishing a film, they need to get the advertising uh, promos and trailers out way before then. So that's where the whole production music thing came into play. And that's when, you know, all these um, companies started you know, coming up with their own production libraries. And so now like everybody and their mother has a production library. Right. Right. So like there's this big, such an oversaturation of music now. And I've spoken to a lot of music supervisors and they're saying it's making their jobs a lot more difficult because there's just so much to choose from. So if there's an abundance of music, then it's just a lot harder to choose right. which tracks to use. So then it comes down to the relationship. It does. It does. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because that's where the whole nepotism thing also comes into play. Right. Because there are so many um, libraries that are being used for nepotistic reasons, you know, which I, yeah. which is unfortunate, but that's just the way yeah. the industry is, you know, so mm-hmm. like, hey, I'll, I'll get your brother's song in there or hey, exactly. I'll get your son and his band song in there. exactly yeah well i mean one of the stories that i that stuck out for me is i I remembered and this has been it's kind of been going in this direction since then 
I remember hearing about a music supervisor working at this particular trailer house and he left and started working for a music library. And so he started pitching that library to all his peers, all his, you know, fellow music supervisors in the industry. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, who do you think they're going to use? They're going to use that library versus another library that may not have a previous music supervisor working for them. You know right. what I mean? So, right. So yeah. and even now I've heard that a lot of these trailer houses are starting their own library because they want to actually kind of get a corner on that market as for well, sure. which is a little, yeah, it's a little strange. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's changed the dynamic quite a bit, but. Um, totally. And, and the quality is going to drop too, because it's just about like volume of, you know, having exactly. a lot of stuff, you know, um, the, I worked for a, television uh, like a broadcast promo production company for a couple of years and they were that was one of their plans too was to have an in-house composer who puts together a library of music that then they would use in any of the promos that they were doing for the networks you know right i think i remember you tell me about that yeah i think yeah yeah, i remember i don't know if they ever got that far but i mean the networks make their decisions a lot of the time as to what music they want you know, so I don't know if that ever worked out for them, but you're right. the The landscape has shifted a lot, and oh, so big time. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you do with future world music to stand apart and to make sure that you're successful? Which obviously you've taken this worldwide, so it's been doing quite well. Well, thank you. Well, I do. I mean, worldwide, internationally, I do have sub publishers that are representing the library, and they're the ones who you know get the licenses and make it happen. But here in the U.S., it's a little trickier. I mean, I think here it's still, you know, we're still getting um, licenses and and promos and trailers. However, what's really changed is the whole YouTube and online sales. And actually, that's actually exceeded uh, the licensing end of things, Mm. which which kind of really surprised me. I think I may may have mentioned this to you a while ago, which... You know, when I first was approached, you know, there's certain companies that arose because of all this. They um, they saw that there was this need to monetize, you know, videos on YouTube. And um, this one company, AdRev, approached me and they said, you know, we basically monetize music uh, videos on YouTube and we make sure that the artist gets paid. And I was thinking at the time okay, yeah, I'll go along with it. But I remember even talking to my attorney when I had to, you know, finally get the agreement looked at and everything. He was saying, you know, don't expect anything substantial. It's going to be minuscule at best. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, what the hell? You know, why not just give it a shot? And then since then, uh, YouTube has been one of the main sources of uh, revenue for future world music. That's amazing. Bizarre. Like, I I just never, never expected (laughs) that, you know? (laughs) So... So do you think, yeah, things have changed quite a bit. Totally. Definitely. Do you think yeah. that that will change again? Because now the YouTube landscape is also shifting. Um, I think so. I think it's it's going to you know it's going to continue to change. I think and and just um, when it changes, I think you know companies like mine, we just have to just do whatever we need to do to you know kind of adapt to all these changes. Because yeah, it's it's you know. It, things are just changing constantly. I mean, you know, we were just talking earlier about this, the whole net neutrality thing. I mean, we, you know, I don't know how that's going to affect the way, uh, uh, you know, business is going to be yeah. handled with YouTube and just, you know, certain websites and stuff. So we'll see, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, 
it's a little uncertain right now, so it's 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 going to be interesting to say mm-hmm. the least. You know? Yeah. Well, on to brighter topics. <laughs> God, um, I want to talk about Mother Earth. What made you decide to do this Mother Earth concept first of all, and tell us about some of the tracks on the album? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, as you know, like fighting for our Earth and just you know making sure that we're taking care of our earth has been such a hot topic for the past, you know, few years, you know? And so I just thought, you know, why not, why not elaborate on that? You know, have, you know, the concept, actually there's an amazing artist that um, I work with. His name is Daniel Kvaznitsa. And he, I kind of gave him the idea, just, I said, this is what I'm kind of envisioning and you, you know, see what you could do with it. And he came up with this beautiful, you know, drawing of the, you know, the earth and then inside it was, this, you know, like a fetus. So it's kind of, it, it's symbolic of how we should be treating the earth. You know, it's like, it's, this, it's our, you know, it's our baby. It's mm-hmm. like, it's our, it's life, you know, it represents everything. And yet everything that has been happening for the past, I don't know how many years, we've just been basically taking this earth for granted. And so I just thought, you know, I know it wasn't necessarily a political choice, but it was more, just to kind of, it, it was more like an homage or like a tribute to, you know, our earth and how, you know, precious it is and, you know, how uh, we need to just take care of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. So tell us about some of the tracks. Uh, the tracks, well, I, you know, I work with two other composers, super talented composers, um, Aram Mandosian and Vlado Hudek. And, you know, we all, we write about equal number of tracks i think you know it splits up between like six a piece or seven a piece something mm-hmm. like that so i and i found these guys by putting out an ad out and um i got hundreds and hundreds of oh, submissions and, and out of all the submissions i got these two really stood out they were just you know amazing composers and i'm really just honored to have them you know write with me but um the music basically was a reflection of that that concept you know earth um you know very sci-fi fantasy mm dramatic you know action adventure so it all the tracks have that feel you know some are more dramatic some are more action based and i think it's our best work so far it's definitely Mm. it's definitely the most um we've ever i think put into an album you know Mm -hmm. i mean not that the others we didn't put enough into it but this one was just i think had a little more uh, depth a lot more depth to it because of the subject matter yeah what's your favorite track Oh God, it's tough. Um, well, I can't say one of mine because then I'll sound like an idiot. You know? Sure. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> no, no. Actually, my probably my favorite track is from uh, the composer, both composers, Aram and uh, Blado. Um, the title track, Mother Earth. It's a beautiful track, and Stronghold by uh, Aram Mendoza. Mm-hmm. Two just amazing, amazing tracks. Like awesome. probably the best I've heard. You know, in production music. Yeah. Honored your... to have them uh, on my album. Yeah, they sound amazing. What is your dream placement that you haven't, that you, you think, oh, Mother Earth would be perfect for that? Oh, God. I guess something just sci-fi, something like hopeful, something, you know, uh, substantial. You know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but just something big, you know, something that would... Uh, you know, we had a big placement back in, um, I don't know, it was a few years ago for uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. The track was Dream Chasers. And, 
it was it just it was perfect it was a perfect match and so something along those lines like if it if they can find the you know some film that really matches with the music it'll be it'll be so um, satisfying because yeah. that actually kind of started the whole uh craze with the production music you know it just became got in the mainstream people were asking you know wh what's that track and it's happened to uh, many almost all the other uh my competitors as well you know they'll they'll place one piece of music for a big motion picture that's coming up and it just suddenly that song gets so popular mm. because everybody's talking about the trailer everybody's asking what the music is so so yeah it's interesting how sometimes the music will just completely complement and vice versa, the movie, you know, or yeah. the trailer. I love that. Do you have any uh, tips for up-and-coming composers? Ooh, boy. Um, I would say write from the heart and just stay true to what you want to write instead of trying to please other people. I think that's what I would say, you know, mm -hmm. and just don't give up. Just that's, I think that's the key, you know, you just keep going and keep going. You know, I was a late bloomer. So yeah. some people have this idea of becoming successful at a certain age or a certain time in their life. And I, I would just say, just keep doing what you love and do it because you love it, not because you want to make money. That's, right. I think that's a given. And yeah. Uh, just, yeah, just keep moving forward. You know? What's the most uh, challenging aspect of it that people should expect if they're up and comers um, or the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your career so far? Uh, wow, it's a loaded question. <laughs> God, there's so many. Well, I think um, just don't expect too much because I think what happens is, you know, you'll, you'll, let's say a movie will come out and you'll think, um, this track would be perfect for that. And, and then a lot of times it won't, you know, you'll get outbid by another company or they'll go with another track from another library and don't let that discourage you. Just, just realize, you know, yeah. it's just a matter of time. But again, again, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier, how there's such an oversaturation of music. There's such mm -hmm. an overabundance of music that it's the odds of getting placed are even lower now. Yeah. So you have to have just patience. You know, you just got to just keep going, keep going. Um, you know, do your PR, do your public relations with your clients and, and just, you know, hope for the best because yeah ultimately it's their decision it's their decision it's the studio's decision yeah. so and it's subjective lines and sometimes it doesn't so yeah and that's the toughest part i think about being an artist is you have your heart into your work and you have this vision for it but the other person may not see it the way you do because it's art is subjective you know, True. and again, those connections, you know, so there are just times when your track may yep. indeed be the best one, but they're just going with the other guy because it's the director's sister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. You know? Yeah, exactly. Any any final thoughts um, for the folks out there listening, which we've got people all over the world here, either Mother Earth or being a composer or I don't know, living in Los Angeles. <laughs> Um, well, I would say, I guess one thing I, I would like to see, and you know, I'm just this is more maybe uh, just a hopeful thought is, I just hope you know people have the interest in other, other types of music because you know, I, as you know, the music scene has completely changed. I mean, yeah. now there's just so much music out there, and a lot of the music that is, you know, getting on the top forty and 
is so popular is really not that great. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, it's it's very. I I kind of categorize it as like processed foods, but <laughs> like the music version, it's like processed. It's white music. flour. Like it's, yeah, it's just very. It's very processed. Very. Um, you know, it's almost like it's written specifically because they want it to be a hit. Whereas, yes. you know, when we grew up, you know, music was kind of just kind of written and it was coming from the heart. It yeah. was coming from the soul. So I would urge like people out there that are listening to, you know, mainstream music to, you know, go go in a different direction. Try listening to classical music. Try listening to, you know, classic rock or just, you know, just expand your uh your uh, library, your music mm-hmm. library, and see, you know, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised because right now, you know, like, you, you know, you, you hear what's on the radio. I mean, not that it's awful or bad, but it's just very, just very specific to, you know, the, I guess the demographics right now, yeah. the demographic scene right now, like it's very young, very pop, very dance, which is great, which is, you know, don't get me wrong. I love every type of uh, style of music, but I think it's important for uh, the new generation or all these, you know, kids nowadays, even the millennials to just open their mind and listen to different, uh, different types of music, you know, yes. even if it's not on the radio, you know, just go out of your way and really, you know, support the artists because, you know, we're, like I said, it's just, there's so much music out there that, you know, a lot of people are just not getting um, heard, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a shame. Like there should be a lot more, I think, openness to listening to different styles of music instead of just you know specifically one type of genre you know like pop you know Mm -hmm. like i mean you see these you know music awards like it's it's changed so much now it seems like rock and sort of these other styles have become almost obsolete and now it's it's all about the dance slash you know pop hits that become the grammy winners which is kind of amazing to me yeah you know it's like you know so I totally agree with you. I'm disgusted. And I, I usually listen, <laughs> I listen to older music, you know, I hear uh, something new and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. I yeah, can't exactly. be into this. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, a lot of it I think is also, um, you know, what's happening in our schools. Again, I know I'm not trying to get political here, but you know, it's so important, I think, for schools to teach music appreciation and just to even just music in general. Just, yes. I think if a lot of people did get into music, you know, playing some instrument, whatever it may be, it'll kind of open their horizons more. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be more open to listening to different styles. Yeah. And, you know, not just, you know, because it's just like the dumbing down of, you know, America basically is part of that whole thing. Just listening to the most simple, basic styles of music, whereas there's just so much out there that's, just amazing. Oh God, you know, yeah. Musicians and yeah. So oh, great music that people are like clueless about. Like recently, yeah. I was uh, part of this theater production, and I was I was really really surprised to see that a lot of the folks, the theater actors, all they listen to is theater music, and I'm like, how do you function? what is this um you know and i would mention like really amazing soul artists or amazing rock artists from yesteryear you know and they don't even know who they are and Uh, so you know that's it breaks my heart too because it's like 
I agree with you that it's so important to expose yourself to different types of music. And, and you're going to have your preferences, of course, and that's okay. Like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, old school country, you know, but I also right. can there appreciate it. songs, right? There are uh, some totally. amazing Totally. There are amazing songwriters. The harmonies are, are kick-ass, you know, and so there's just so much appreciation that can be there. I'm not going to listen to it all day long. Um, right. But, but you but appreciate it. Totally. You, you recognize that it's there and you, you know, you're aware of it. And I think that's, that's the, that's the main, Yeah. I think, you know, that's the main thing Like people need to be exposed to all these other styles of music. That way it just, you know, you kind of have a bigger palette, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it'll change. Hopefully it'll get better, but who knows, who knows what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Everything's up right? in the air. It feels like the apocalypse right now. So God only yeah, knows. Yeah. Very, very strange, uncertain times. Yeah, agree. Like, agree. Yeah. So um, with that said, Mother Earth is a wonderful way to like bring people back to trying to think about like how can we improve our life here on this beautiful earth. The artwork is gorgeous. Like you said, the music is amazing. And I love everything that you stand for and everything that you're about. You're so talented. And I can't wait for the next record, you know, and the next major milestone in your career. Thank Thank you you for taking time. Likewise. I mean, you're super talented yourself. And, you know, we definitely have to work together soon. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to look forward to that. Uh, And thank you for taking time to come on here and talk about your career and inspire people out there listening who may want to, they love making music, but they're too scared to take that leap. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Everybody out there listening, please go to futureworldmusic.com, facebook.com, futureworldmusic1, and obviously YouTube. That is a big one, Future World Music. Uh, Pick up his latest album, Mother Earth, as well as some of the past albums. Um, There are five of them, everybody. Uh, Get to know Armin and his huge base of fans online. Armin, thank you again. You're awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Take care. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.